Welcome to the Creative Community Podcast. I am Ari Ingle, the Director of Creative Community for Peace. This is a special episode of the pod. We recently held a fantastic live discussion on the state of the music industry in the time of COVID-19, and we decided to upload it here as well. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. We have a fantastic panel discussion today on the state of the music industry in the time of COVID-19. Uh, to briefly introduce our panelists, first we have Antonino Armado, who is a member of the production team Rock Mafia, who has written and produced songs with artists such as Eminem, Justin Bieber, Miley Cyrus, Ely Goulding, Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, and many more. Uh, Joshua Binder is on our advisory board and is a founding partner of Rothberg, Moore, and Binder. His clients include artists such as Daddy Yankee, Marshmello, and Top Dog Entertainment, which is home to artists such as Kendrick Lamar. Uh, Markel Casey, who is the senior director at Pulse Music Group, who works with and has signed artists such as James Blake to the publishing company. He has also signed with and worked with artists such as Churches. Uh, Ken Vermeglish, who is also on our advisory board and is a partner of UTA in New York. His clients include legendary artists such as Guns N' Roses, Muse, and Paramore. Daniel Glass, also a member of our advisory board and the founder and president of Glassnote Entertainment Group, who has signed and worked with bands such as Mumford & Sons, Childish Gambino, Phoenix, Erica Badu, and many, many others. Finally, we are fortunate to have a great moderator today in Melina Saval, who is Features Editor at Variety, where she covers film, TV, music, and theater. She's won two LA Press Club awards and is a board member of the LA Press Club. And I'll hand it over to you, Melina. Hi, how are you guys? Good. Good, good, good. Um, my first question is um, for Danielle, Markel, and Antonina. Antonina. Um, I feel like this time has really kind of brought out the creativity in a lot of people. We're indoors, we can't go anywhere. You know, people are being really creative. And I was wondering if you, you know, for music makers and songwriters, if anybody had any anecdotes about your own clients in music that they've been creating while they're on lockdown. And if you could share any of those anecdotes. Um, I have a pretty broad ro roster of clients and the majority of them are very much self-contained. So the idea of being in quarantine to them doesn't really change much. So they've been quite enjoying it. However, there's the small minority of some of my clients who collaborate. I think the first uh, week and a half was very, very difficult for them because all of a sudden you're now cut off from your creative partners. Um, and I had a few nervous phone calls with a couple of them and it was just like really quite imperative for, them, for me to tell them just to pause and not do anything, take stock, and also just realize, like, don't be too hard on yourself because we are in the middle of a global pandemic. So it's okay to not do anything. But I'm sure, as you know, with creatives, uh, a week and a half later, then they start getting really itchy. And, you know, I think as human beings, we're very adaptive. So now I'm starting to get some really, really interesting songs. Uh, thankfully, the lyrics about quarantine are being kept to a minimum, which is quite good. Yeah. But it's been, it's been good for... Yeah, a lot of my clients now because they're now finding new ways to work. I think we're trying to take the positives from that. How about you, Daniel? 
It's been a really interesting time. We've had, uh, you know, we, we lost a, a dear friend last week, which was tragic, uh, you know, on the personal side. And, and some of my best friends had the virus and now are recovering. So that has been very tough to deal with. And uh, on, the, on the artistic side, uh, for the purposes really of this call, we were having some pretty amazing stuff happen. Uh, we woke up one morning and we heard about this show on Netflix that I forgot we licensed one of our songs to called Elite. And Variety actually just wrote an article about it. And this song by Church is called Forever has taken off and become this massive hit uh, at, at, with, with the digital providers and radio. And it wouldn't have happened if people weren't at home telling each other about this show, which is basically like a, a Spanish version of Gossip Girl. And the song now is gonna be a very, very big hit. Uh, as a result of the isolation and quarantine. Then they made a video, Churches, which is called Separate Together, which I think they spent $300 making. I think wow. possibly the best, best video they've ever made and uh, caught the eye of the people at Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon uh, Booker called, they're booked for next Friday to play Fallon. Zane Lowe got a hold of it. He's got Lauren Mayberry from Churches coming on the air with special friends doing a home show. Uh, none of this would have happened. Uh, if this wasn't this period of a pandemic and isolation. Um, Aurora wrote a song in isolation with her boyfriend, uh, unlike her other material. She just come out of the Oscars with Frozen and now she wrote this song about, a, uh, I, well, I don't wanna give the title away, I'll let her give it away. But really it's a love song uh, with, a, with an arrangement that she's never done anything like this before and totally came out of it. The only thing that's different is the string section was done remotely in England by Isabel Waller Bridges, uh, who's, who's pretty famous. And, uh, but we have more and more stories about this. James Hersey is an artist that we represent and Josh Binder actually is, is attorney. He's never been as active as he is on social. He's got a whole new identity. He dyed his hair green and now he's like gone wild. Uh, but I can give you story after story, looking at Marcus Mumford, his, how inspirational his his music has been, but it's been, uh, I've never been in touch with artists uh, as much as I have in, in our 13 years, uh, intimately checking in on people, seeing how their mental health is. So it's been a very creative time, depressing as far as touring. Antonina, I was wondering about you. Have you noticed this peak in creativity amongst your songwriters? Um, well, we have this big sort of campus in Santa Monica. We have four or five studios and all these common areas and all of the artists that we have on our label we were just launching a new label called heroin with an e and we had all these great artists that would just come in and we bounce off each other kind of like asylum records was sort of our template of just sort of a canvas and a campus where people could paint and write and be together and do all this stuff so obviously that doesn't happen anymore right um and it's been interesting because we have a studio in our house and we've been, we've been writing, not just with Zoom, but in different ways where we would send tracks to different writers. We'd get on a video chat. We'd talk about concepts. We'd kind of write virtually. But interestingly enough, like BTS, uh, their people reached out to me a month or two before the pandemic. But they just said, oh, we have a bunch of tracks. Write to them. And it, it turned out that I had, I got like four songs on the BTS record. And, you know, including their new single, which I think is called On. But 
I thought, wow, this is great. So now they're just sending me, like for the first time in years, people are sending me tracks to kind of consume and create music in a different way. We have an EP coming out right now on 12 Tone, our first single drops tonight. And we had to finish that amidst the calamity of what's going on and the literal shutdown. So that's been pretty tricky, but we've all been doing Zoom conversations like this, like with the PR and the, you know, Steve Bartles has kind of brought everybody together and is trying to do like a little community of creativity so we don't lose a beat, but the beat of your heart is different and the landscape is different and it's harder to, it's, you have to find a way to grow a garden in this right. new landscape. Have you noticed, Antonina, like, not to generalize, but for a lot of artists, they do some of their best work in the middle of the night and they sleep all day. And now we're kind of in a time of a period of timelessness. You don't have to really conform to ours. Has that, do you think, helped some of your, your songwriters and your artists? Well, I think it's a little discombobulating at first. Yeah. Because, you know, it's funny, artists hate anything that restricts them. Right. And this is completely the opposite. If there's like... It's a whole new world. So, you know, sometimes like I, artists are calling me up going like, I don't know what to do with myself. I was supposed to shoot this video. Like, you know, to Daniel's point, obviously his artist churches made the video on their own with their, because no labels are sanctioning any groups of people getting together. Like there's no label saying, oh yeah, get in the studio and finish this. Because they're, you know, they're trying to do the protocol that's within the jurisdiction of what we're supposed to do not be in a room with people, not do anything. I think we like to bounce off each other and create and the energy. So I think a lot of people, like Daniel said, you know, your mental health gets a little crazy because you're used to bouncing off of each other and being created by each other's energy. Right. And so I think that's been a little bit of a, little bit of a new world for sure. Yeah. This is a message we'll start with Ken. There have been, songs about COVID-19 the past few weeks. There's been a few on the, uh, on the Latin America charts. They're called, a couple called Coronavirus. I don't know if you've heard them, but I was wondering what you think about these songs that are about the uh, sort of plague that we are experiencing. And if you think that these really have any mileage outside of this period that we're experiencing right now, are they just kind of gimmicky? I haven't heard one of them, couldn't comment. Okay. <laughs> They're doing really well on the Spotify charts. Um, has anyone heard anybody, any of these songs? I saw the title and I just, it just bugged me. So right. I, okay. that, I purposely didn't listen, but you know, I don't, that was, I'm just being honest. No, that, I mean, I, I would think that would be one's like, you know, reaction as well. Um, this is uh, for- there's, um, there's one called Coronavirus, which has yeah. uh, Cardi B's, uh, vocal on it, and I, I I look after Cardi, so I uh, uh, I do know this record, and I think uh, there's a, a viral element to that to that song that's had kind of a life of its own. Do you think that it'll extend beyond this what we're going through right now? I mean, is this going to have any legs post coronavirus era? I mean, I don't know uh, how long. I, I don't know when this th th when this ends, but uh, you know, I, I don't think. Uh, uh, I don't think anyone has a strategy of trying to make records with, with that term uh, or any, any terms associated with it. I think, I think artists you know, want to avoid doing anything that's, uh, that's considered uh, in bad taste or uh, you know, offensive. And I, I, think, um, I think everyone is very sensitive 
in this time because you know the touring business has 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 crashed to to a, a greater extent but the rest of the business is is remarkably healthy um, there's a lot of activity both on the record side and the publishing side and I'm even seeing a lot of um, you know companies uh, trying to create activations corporations uh, hitting up some of my bigger clients saying you know let's do something with Postmates let's do something with this fast food restaurant um, and uh, and there's there's a tremendous amount of activity but we as um, you know in the music uh, community aren't get it where some of us aren't getting hit like the rest of society um, who are really having uh, a, a much rougher uh, experience with losing uh, you know, losing jobs and, and getting sick and, and real issues that, um, that we don't see on a day-to-day -day basis, which, uh, which is why our artists, they're, they're still going to create. They're still going to, uh, to make music. They're going to find their way. It, it, you know, I've, I've been saying in the last couple of days, uh, music is like a weed. It's going to find its way uh, to survive. And um, the lack of touring is going to be offset with different ways of uh, of creating, and 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 we we will continue to see that. I wanted to. That's a nice segue into my next question. I'm thinking of particular genres like punk and hard rock genres that really do make the bulk of their their revenue from touring. Are there particular genres that you really think will be hurt the most by their inability to tour? All of them, every one of them. There's no genre that's not affected by it. The touring world is in a complete standstill. So every genre is, every genre is affected. Yeah, one of our artists, Elohim, was on tour midway, just getting, just getting thick into it when this whole thing put the kibosh on it. It was like, wow. Like everyone thought, oh, we got one more week. We got one more week. We, uh, no, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> and and just how did you handle that with the client? I mean, they there's obviously devastation that just hits them like a truck yeah. how did I'll you just say that the conversations with the clients and the managers of clients are very very difficult mm -hmm. and and they're very uh, emotional at times and they're you know this is this is a people's livelihoods we're talking about their careers we're talking about on the road and to your point a lot of different artists make money largely on the road and so the, the kinds of conversations are, are initially difficult uh, and and then they turn to confusing because there's no clarity here. There's no roadmap here. There's no definitive yeah. um, answer that I can give to managers or clients uh, or bands or artists when they can tour again. We have the, you know, some ideas and there's, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about some of that, but, but ultimately it's a very confusing time. And, and therefore uh, it's those kinds of conversations are difficult. The only bright side is the silver lining um, on the, the, at least from an agency perspective at, at a company like ours, we're now pivoting and doing some things with artists to, to Josh's point where we're trying to find other ways for artists to make revenue because the touring side of it is no longer there. Do you think any of those virtual things that they're doing online, like concerts, you know, like uh, John Legend yeah. putting that show together, is that, is that going to be, do you think people are going to gravitate towards that or do they have to be there live? Yeah, that's a great question. My, my sense is, um, at this point, first of all, we're already starting to see the consumer and the fan be starved and want something. 
Um, th these the initial stuff that's happening is large, largely charitable, as you're as you're noting, with especially with the the global citizen event that's happening. I think on Saturday on several different networks. Mm -hmm. um, but those performances are all all somewhat regulated because the performances have to be, you know, dealing with social restrict uh, distancing restrictions and whatnot. So they're very limited in, and primitive in what the performances can be for the most part. Um, I think as social distancing as it relates to people and bands getting together in rooms even spaced out relax a little bit you're going to start to see more and more of what you're what you're asking about which is more and more shows but more and more shows that i think will have the ability to um to have better production and to have a better look to them and potentially as we move away from the horror of the deaths and all the things that are happening with with the virus itself there, there will be this kind of capitalistic piece to this where there will be paywalls and there'll be ways for pay-per-views and, and different artists to actually be paid for those kinds of shows. But it, it's not now as much. I think that's still several weeks down the road. We still have to get away from, you know, the harshness of the reality of what the virus is doing and what it has done. Yeah, there is, um, Ken, a poll star recently published a study saying that the concert industry could lose $9 billion. Yeah, I saw it. Yep. So when things start to go back to new, you know, like not normal, because I don't think it will be anything that we've sort of seen before, but what changes do you think will be implemented long-term? I think, look, I, I can't prognosticate exactly, but I can give you a sense of what I think um, from just the, the changes. The changes are going to potentially affect reduced capacities. First and foremost, I think that's something we're going to see if concerts can go back on at some point, whenever that may be. Reduced capacities are part of what we're going to have to live with, as well as testing of some kind, whether it's temperatures or maybe even a rapid test coming into the venue, um, certainly masks and, and whatnot in the short term, um, you know, over the next, however, when it starts, you'll, you'll yeah. see masks in, in venues and whatnot. Um, and I think you're going to see a whole, you know, the, the trick on all of it is going to be, can we get the consumer to feel safe? to want to go to a show and, and go into a mass gathering, even if it's 250 people. Um, and, and that's going to be a process and it's going to require, just like the airlines are going through, it's going to require a tremendous amount of education from the promoters to the consumer to show them that their venue is clean and show them the consumer, the fan, what it is that's happening in the venue um, to keep them safe in, in, in a gathering setting. Does anybody, I mean, you included, have any handle on whether or not this means like a major spike in poss you know, possibly ticket prices in the future to accommodate for all of these other measures that uh, need to be implemented? I, I don't see a spike in ticket prices. Ticket prices were at highs as we kind of shut this all down. I actually think ticket prices have to relax a little bit due to the economy um, and, and the unemployment numbers, which are sitting at, I think now 22 million people yeah. in this country are unemployed as of today. That, that doesn't really bode well for spiking ticket prices. It bodes better for lowering ticket prices to make tickets more, more so affordable in the short term. And I'm really speaking, you know, over the next, whenever we start up, whenever that is, which I have no idea, but the, the, that we'll have to be really mindful of that right. for the first year, you know, and maybe within a year to two years after this business starts to come up, come back online, we'll be able to get back to where we were from a, from a, churn perspective as well as ticket price perspective but certainly unknown because you just don't know what's going to happen with vaccines and other things that have to affect all this no but M melina i think ken is we're beating around the bush and ken's bringing up some good points uh people have to feel safe 
right. safe to do, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a theater, an arena, a stadium, a festival, uh, you put yourself in the hands of an EDM a business, a DJ business. I, I started my career as a DJ and I would not be able to work right now right. if I did not produce records also as a, a Diplo or a, or a Marshmallow does. But I think that, and those are the minority of, of DJs or electronic artists that do it. But we've got to vote. The whole thing here is you have to have confidence in the leadership of your country uh, or, or your state or your city or your town. And if you have confidence that they're working on keeping you safe, keeping you employed, making sure you're subsidized or enhanced or whatever you need, uh, that to me is the biggest thing that the public and the fans and the industry can do. I'm not telling people who to vote for. I just think that we have that power the voting booth is yeah. coming up in a matter of weeks. Yep. And if people like the way things have been handled, it's about the numbers, it's about the testing, it's about what the testing proves and how it's controlled, and number, number two, a vaccine. And then I think people will go out in droves and it'll be happy days are here again, bigger than ever. But I, I personally do not have confidence in, in most of the leadership in our country that they're working towards that. Getting back to business, you can say it all you want. We want to get back. It means nothing. You're going to see a spike in disease, a spike in contagion as soon as people go back prematurely. So right. I want to be. I want to be at those festivals. I want to be at those concerts because we can't sustain without. We can't break new artists without having them either do promotion tours or or concert tours, whether they're the lower artists, the middle, or even the big artists. So that to me is a very important part of this: is that people have to vote, and we've got to see a change that we have confidence that there are true scientists working on things that are working with, with the economies. That is what I care about. Yeah, no, and absolutely. And since you brought it up, I mean, I think this is another example of where state government is really important. This could come down to, I mean, different states deciding who gets to play, how they get to play. Going, it's to going play. to come down to that because yeah. different, different states are going to have different levels of, of what's happened with the virus, which will then dictate when economies can open back up and people feel more comfortable. And certainly, you know, there's, there's, it's going to be very difficult to just have it be across the board. I don't see that. It's going to, it's certain places are going to come online sooner rather than later. And, and other places could be severely delayed. And my brother, who's a doctor who's on the front line, he's working with other, a bunch of other doctors. Um, they're working diligently on getting an antibody test. So not only to test whether, you have it, but whether you have antibodies, because once you, you'll be sort of like a superhero. If you know you can't yeah. get it, right. then you can sort of, you know, there could be a way that they're even talking about having some kind of like card or some kind yeah. like if you go to the airport, I've, I have been tested, I have the antibodies, I'm free to do this. I will, I'm not, I will never be, you know, a person that's going to transfer the disease to anyone. Also, to your point about people feeling safe in the concerts yeah. and stuff, this is mostly probably ignorance, but so many young people I've talked to cannot wait. Yeah. They, yeah. Don't, they think they're immortal. Yeah. They, they think they're immune. I was going to make that point with respect to demographic as far as age. Right. And, and I do agree the younger demographic does, does believe that they, you know, don't, don't take the kind of precaution and, and, and throw caution to the wind, really. Um, and you may see artists, um, or sorry, an audience uh, that's younger, um, be more willing in the earlier part of how we come out of this to, to mass gather than an older demographic. Yeah, I think there's a real, a real dichotomy there. Yeah, 
I just wanted also to add to that something that I started doing in uh, in the last couple of days with my uh, incredible healthcare provider is getting some of these antibody tests because, like I mentioned, some of my clients would like to get together and start working. So having taken the tests, seeing whether or not you've had the virus or you have the antibodies, you can you can go into a situation knowing full well that you both right. have a level of protection. So I think starting early would be good because it allows the economy to open up and you know crucially allows people to start getting back to work so i mean i'd love to see that happening but to daniel's point i think for you to really see this going back to some level of normality it has to be on a federal and state level where people i'm very lucky and fortunate that i'm privileged enough to be able to get some of these tests but I mean, a very, very, very small minority, and I think everyone else should have access to this. Yeah, and also, I mean, right now there's a margin of error in these antibody tests up to like 25%, so they're not perfected, but hopefully they will be. Right. We're working toward that. Um, Josh, as a lawyer, I'm just curious, you know, how, how busy are you? How busy are lawyers these days? Are deals still being made? Uh, we are busier than ever. Uh, wow. we, have, we have nine lawyers. Um, on both coasts and nobody's driving, nobody's going to shows, nobody's going uh, to lunches and and dinners. And I kind of feel like we're working longer and harder and really delivering for clients because there needs to be a way to offset the the lack of income that's happening in the touring business. Um, And there's there's lots of deals to be made. Uh, There's, you know, Companies, if you if you represent labels and and represent uh, you know managers and whatnot that are signing acts, that's happening. Uh, major record companies are signing deals across the business. All of them, um, you know, the publishers are are very active and very aggressive because uh, you know there there will there will be certain dips in income, whether it's ASCAP or BMI, although I don't think that they're in the same place. And, and I, I think the way that, that the performance societies operate, um, it'll, it, it, it will take, take a hit in, in different ways because you have restaurants that are going out of business and, and, and clubs and, uh, and you don't have uh, the performance income that's coming in from, uh, from right. some of those areas. But streaming numbers are up. I mean, I spoke to Mike Karen this morning and, uh, and he also confirmed that. Uh, I think subscriptions are still strong and they're not going to change. I think, um, you know, streaming is, uh, is the, the big winner. Uh, if there's, if there is a winner here, uh, you know, their streaming is, is stronger than ever, um, both on the paid platforms and on, uh, you know, the, the, the Instagrams and, and, uh, and the Facebooks and, and all these things. I mean, I, I have Marshmallow and he's done two concerts uh, on back-to-back Saturdays. Cardi interviewed Bernie Sanders and, uh, you know, I, I think on one of her Insta lives, she got over a million people. Um, you know, people, people are creating um, and people are going to release albums and they're going to release content and they're going to make, make, make songs. Not, not even going to. There are. There's actual music yeah. that's being released daily by large artists um, while all of this is happening. Every week there's a new Music Friday. <laughs> there's, a, there's a 
a, uh, a list of, uh, of new songs that are constantly coming out. I have an artist, Jack Galinsky, on Island releasing a video uh, today and tomorrow. You know, there's, there's gonna be music. So uh, there's lots of work for, for us to do and, uh, and we're trying to do it. Now streaming was down last month in March and then it went up. So, so you're, what, you, it, it all depends on, on what you're comparing. Right. If you look right. at 2019 to th 2020, you have an increase in streaming and number of, of subscriptions. Okay. If you look at the number of streams that is happening in a, in a given moment, there might be a decrease, but the number of streams doesn't decrease the pot of money. Okay. Right? The pot of money, I mean, it's a, it's a per stream calculation. So whatever the number of, you know, every stream is, is technically created equal. And if there's a million streams less in, in, uh, in the given period of time, it doesn't mean that there's going to be less money in that period uh, of, uh, of calculation. So, it, you know, people got to pay attention to exactly what, what, what's being said and how it affects the economics of what happens. But today, more important than ever, which is maybe why we're, we're super busy, the deals that you make are really important. Right. Because if you don't have income from, you know, a lot of times record companies will say, well, you know, you're going to do this deal and we're not going to participate in your live or we're not going to participate in your publishing or we're not going to participate. In, you know, and you have to take a hit somewhere. That argument isn't so isn't as strong as it was when there was income. So, right. you know, artists and uh, and the managers and the lawyers and all of us, you know, our jobs become a little bit more uh, key to the, to what enters into the team's pocket. Yeah. Uh, Antonina, I think you had something you wanted to add. Yeah. Deals are still being made. I mean, uh, and especially with different platforms, like, you know, I thought everything was going to shut down, but I've been continuing. I created this musical movie for a big platform and I thought everything would shut down, but actually it's accelerated. Like they just want to make sure that they can hit the ground running and they want to close this deal as soon as possible, which is great. Um, we are working with some really amazing mixers that have their own facilities so that, you know, we're finishing the Yoshi Flower record for Interscope. We're finishing the Elohim's new record. We're able to do things sort of out of the box. And then to what you were saying before about publishers like ASCAP and BMI, my partner, Tim James, reached out to ASCAP because some of our writers, and Markel, I don't know if this happened with you, but they were talking that they were going to postpone the payment. And everyone was like, ah, no, that's what we're, you know, that's our bread and butter. Please don't. And then after inquiry, we realized that it's, it's just going to be a, a few week delay. Did you, did you find that out as well? Yeah, there, there was a bit of a hoo-ha around it, but I don't think this is something that will be a long-term issue. I do, I do think it will be sold very, very No, it can be sorted out, but it's still, it's like, you just want to have certain things reassuring. You know, you know, that we're here for each other. Like with Community of Peace, it's like, do you have each other's back? Is there a way that we can help each other through this? Like, what can I do to facilitate someone's comfort level on it? What can I give? I almost felt, I don't want to get all emotional, but I almost felt like, you know, survivor's guilt. Right. Because I, I was still able to write these songs, finish these albums. There's income streams coming in. Yeah. I have no real change other than I'm sort of 
locked in with someone I love making, doing something I love. So, yeah. and cooking a lot, I'm yeah. cooking a lot. Yeah. That, you know, I don't keep six feet, of, you know, distance away from my refrigerator lately. Right. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> it's kind of like my best friend, but I, but I felt bad and I'm thinking, what, what can we all do? Right. Help each other. The people that are having a hard time sustaining a sense of hope. Well, what, I mean, my next, I was going to ask, like, do you think, what can radio, for example, be doing to, um, I don't know, to connect and inform local audiences? Like, what are well, they one, doing that's good? One, and thing, what, one thing I've noticed that's clearly happened, you know, given the new circumstances, um, radio seems to be doing live Instagrams with artists, especially artists who are actively mm. promoting music right now. And, and those, those Instagrams seem to, even if it's just an interview, not necessarily a performance, but could be that too. Those seem to now have replaced phoners because artists uh, are willing to, to hop on Instagram live with a DJ and have it watched by, by other people, not just in the geo-fenced area of where the radio station, terrestrial radio station is broadcasting. So ser clearly, their radio is adapting to a new medium with, with Instagram um, very quickly and putting artists in play, you know, on, on their Instagram and having a back and forth that way to talk to artists directly and push that out to the fan. Great. Yeah, Daniel? I, I, I yeah. think that, you know, radio uh, is always the place people turn in time of crisis for a quick bite of news or a bite of weather or a bite of, you know, what exactly is going on. And I think for the most part, radio is doing a spectacular job. Um, not in your car as much. But you know, no, no, what radio has changed now into is you're listening in a different environment. And I think the, uh, the serious Pandora combination has been very, very strong. Yeah. Uh, what they're, and, and they're putting together shows and, and stuff from Howard Stern to the, to, the, yeah. to the real basic music stuff at every genre, from Outlaw Country to the Spectrum to Alt Nation to Hip Hop Everything is really hitting on all cylinders. And I've never seen this much more new music coming out of Sirius XM. So I applaud yeah. them for what they're doing. And they made and, it free uh, also this month. Yeah, it's free. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I think, till, I think till May 15th. So they've been doing uh, really good stuff. I think iHeart got on the boards quickly when Elton John hosted that. That was a great effort to get on the boards and, and do things like that. I think what's really the, the negative of this moment, which we're not you know, really touching on, uh, there's a lot of deals. There's a lot of creativity. But the authentic singer-songwriter, the authentic band, is having a very hard time connecting with that natural trajectory of audience that they would have gotten from the club tour and the opening slot of one of three, or going into town after town after town and meeting with people, having a lunch, a conference room chat with anybody. It could be a digital provider, it could be a radio station. Um, half of the writers in the business have been furloughed writers, meaning uh, uh, columnists and critics, they're out of work. Yeah. So we've lost a lot of the, uh, the club and our community that way. So I'm very worried that about releasing too much music by very, very great authentic artists right now, the great singer songwriters that cannot be in the clubs, that cannot be on the road. The Zoom call is, is fine. The Insta, what are called? Instagram, Instagram Live, Live is great. But WebEx, Google Hangout, we've been doing this with a bunch of radio stations, but a couple of them, the Kern in Minneapolis, the KEXPs, the, the, the stations in Austin are doing a very good job. Uh, KBCOs are doing a good job. But for the most part, 
very, very tough. And I am advising some of my artists, don't put out your biggest songs right now by those people because you're going to be in trouble. You can't compete against yeah. a TikTok phenomenon or, or a novelty hit. And those right. are the ones that are really happening. There are seven oh. or eight big hits right now. That's it. That's yeah. it. <clears throat> to, to Daniel's point, there was this artist that I saw that is in direct contrast to what you're saying, which is ironic. His name was uh, Mero. To what Daniel said, I wasn't even going to mention it. I was, and then you said that. And he, he's just a singer-songwriter, but it's connecting. He just put it out a few weeks ago. It's, the song is called Perfume. But the, the response, it's just a guy sitting there playing the guitar yeah. on the whole stage. And it's, it's pretty crazy because it's like volumes. It's like volumes of people commenting and commenting and this makes me feel safe and this makes me feel good. And it was kind of like, wow, because it's not TikTok. You, don't, you would never see this song on TikTok to your point, Daniel. It was just interesting because I think that every once in a while, an artist can break through in a way that's so unexpected and so completely the opposite of what's going on. Like literally, I haven't seen a song like this or heard a song like this from an artist like this. He's really young, but interesting that that would have a reaction without having the, the TikTok backing or some kind of platform that's really, you know, on time right now or really vogue or really zeitgeist. And it's interesting that you said that because it's the first time I've seen that in a long, long time. Josh had mentioned earlier just, um, and I wanted to bring up again, what kind of place TV and film, you know, what place will they have in this new musical landscape? Because let's assume some films are into production before concerts can be back up and running or TV shows. I mean, people are just at home absorbing and inhaling content on TV. Will that kind of change the face of the inner, you know, the, the connection between music and, you know, those TVs, series, will there be an even greater push to get people's songs on the TV, on the small screen, on the big screen? Obviously, without uh, shows in production, there's going to be a, uh, a decline in the amount of syncs that are, that are happening, right? Um, so, you know, I, I don't know how much is in the can that, uh, that will now come out over the next quarter or, or half a year. That, that is, is, uh, uh, is, gonna, is gonna hurt a lot of people. It's gonna hurt artists, it's gonna hurt record companies, publishers, um, and, uh, and that's, that's, that needs to, as we open up as a society, uh, hopefully that'll, uh, that'll change. But, you know, I can also look at, look at it from a different vantage point. And there are new ways of making content, and and I and I'm on uh, I'm on calls and and making deals with with um, you know the Facebooks and the YouTubes and uh, and and different ways of getting out content that that artists are going to have to be creative about uh, about getting out. Um, you know, there's there's a different task at hand, and um, and people are gathering in different ways, which creates new challenges. Uh, and we can't just not release music. Right? Some artists can. If you're a big enough artist, um, you probably have enough money, and you're uh, you're able to survive the uh, the storm, uh, and for a long enough period of time. Hey, if you're if you're uh, Kendrick Lamar, you're going to make a decision whenever you want to make a decision. Um, you know, and and that's 
perfect for him and uh, you know other artists need to get content out and uh, and that's that's the nature of creating music and every team has a different task and they all don't need to operate the same uh, and so you kind of have to look at the the particular artist and the type of music and and what's the strategy for the next three months six months and year knowing that we're not sure what's going to happen so you you got to be smart and you you got to really think these things through. I think you're dead smack on uh Josh and I think that part of it is the artist has to start to look to be creative now in ways that they might not have been creative before as it relates to the way that they release the content and then as I was saying before some of the performance things that they may need to do may have to be done differently differently or performed in a different kind of way that maybe wasn't originally contemplated. And then, you know, the hope is also that whether it's a brand, um, you know, opportunity or something where the content and the, the, the band and the, or the artist and the a brand can marry up, those things are now even more valuable than they were prior to this COVID virus circumstance um, and, and can really help to boost awareness as well because of the lack of the touring side of things as a manager or an attorney you're going to need to meet with people that have true vision and relationships so i think you've got a, a very good panel here of people who have that uh the connections and the relationships uh but i think it, there's going to be a pruning of a trees uh and weeding out of people who just don't have the relationships and were never mentored properly and that's another panel discussion of our business of not taking care of the next generation. But I, I think now, if you intelligently meet with Amazon and YouTube and Apple and Spotify and Deezer and iHeart and, and Cumulus and Sirius and Pandora, all these amazing outlets and create that quality content, unique content and bond with them early in careers, put a vision together, but you have to have the relationships. You have to sit and do it. We've seen execution of this the biggest obviously being what, what uh, DECA pulled off with uh, YouTube over the weekend with Bocelli. That was unbelievable synergy with a, with a, with a legend. And it's, it's good, but, but again, YouTube, amazing execution. Amazon has had unbelievable things with, with Song of the Days and, and, and some of the classic stuff, the cover songs that we're doing. We just did two things with Jade Bird with them. Uh, we were working with them with Taylor Jansen, another new artist. Uh, so you have to think of that stuff, and that's where you need really good management, a really good agent, and a really intelligent record company to, to shepherd you in and have those meetings, which are taking place. The good thing about the Google Hangout, WebEx, Zoom, we are having those meetings, but you're going to have to work much, much harder at having that substantial stuff. And that, I think, weeds out a lot of people who basically <laughs> sign you and, and, and throw a Frisbee out there. So you really have to, the stickiness of it. And then when you get critically acclaimed artists, such as our Hamilton record, which came out Friday, which is getting crazy reviews all over the world, how do we make it all the way to the end of the year to the Grammys? We've got amazing management, amazing management. We've got an artist that's making great content with his children and his wife. Right. And every day we're thinking of new things and creating content, the only way to do it. And I think if young Kendrick Lamar were coming up today, he would find a way to connect in his own very, very creative way and learn how to harness the power of a YouTube and an Amazon and an Apple and a Spotify in his own way. So I don't think that changes, but it weeds out 
the people who have no relationships. And you better, you better have those home numbers and those relationships now in this time. We've got about 10 minutes left. Sorry to cut you off. Um, and I, I really wanted to find out from each of you. I'll start with Markel. Um, what have you been tuning into? There's a lot of people that have been doing at-home concerts from uh, Rufus Wainwright. Even, you know, Springsteen was, was spinning records and talking about them on, on E Street Radio. What, we'll start with Markel, have you been tuning into uh, these impromptu at-home concerts that you, or performances that you found inspiring? Yeah, I, I definitely would say the first one that I uh, tuned into was this, uh, this DJ performance by uh, DJ D Nice, which was pretty epic, really, because I was just getting all these text messages saying, "This person's in the chat room and whatnot." It was really, it was actually really cool to see that how, despite people's differences, everyone was really like chiming in from all sorts of backgrounds, and it was like a really good six-hour uh, Instagram live show. Um, and the only one recently that I saw was uh, James Blake, because he's my client, and I'm just a fan of the music. So that was pretty special, hearing him cover songs like Radiohead and what have you. But um, for the most part, honestly, I've been quite busy that I've, I've not had the time to even go in and like check in other things because bizarrely, this moment has actually allowed me to have more clarity in my workflow. And I'm now speaking to my clients a lot more than I, than I ever did. Yeah. So it's been good, but yeah, not many uh, live streams I've seen. Anyone else? The DJ one that Markel mentioned, I saw also. Yeah, D nice. That was amazing. To me, uh, Premier versus RZA was genius. I thought that was great. I'm a good friend of Premier, and I thought that was like the best. Um, and I thought the the other wasn't a session, but I thought what SNL did as a tribute to Hal Wilner, you know, oh. made me cry. Uh, you know, a good friend, and thought that was beautiful. And using the the use of Lou Reed's Perfect Day. Uh, but I thought the Premier Rizzo was the winner for me so far. Um, we have some questions from people that are watching. I'd love to throw a few out. Um, this is for Ken. Somebody asked, do you think venues will remove seats and lower capacities to help with distancing? I don't know about remove seats, but certainly there's going to need to be some kind of, dis you know, there are going to be distance regulations that are going to come from whether it's cities or states or CDC and it will have impact on the way um, venues are set up. We've actually just started having conversations with promoters about that in the last week or two, um, and it's highly unclear what it will look like and how they will accomplish it. Can they skip rows in sales in theaters possibly, um, or every other seat or every two, three seats? There are ways that you can do it like that, but I do think in the it, when we start to come out of this and have mass gatherings and some sort of concert or sporting events, you're going to see some of that. Yeah, I do. Here's a question for Markel. Um, for songwriters looking to pitch songs, are labels asking songwriters for songs that are happy, sad, songs that speak to the isolation they might be feeling? Is a particular mood that you're looking for in a song if it's being pitched? Um, well, we actually had a phone call yesterday with the whole Republic A&R team. And what was really interesting about it is that I don't think it's changed as such because the majority of artists, they just want to be authentic. So whatever it is, wherever they are creatively is where we come in and we try to help. So like service them in, in terms of telling a story. So not necessarily, it just all depends on the artist. Cool. This is for Josh. This is an interesting question. I really like this. Are there any force majeure clauses or any other clauses being added to contracts right now? Clauses about when an artist needs to deliver an, an album, 
uh, and is the money less on deals now? It's a two-part question for Josh. Right. Well, force majeure is a real issue that uh, that we're having to deal with, uh, depending on the artist and uh, and the deal and when the force majeure clauses is trying to be enforced. Right. So uh, we've had plenty of calls with uh, with agents about uh, you know festivals and shows and uh, and uh, touring deals where you know there may be a show that's in june and the festival is trying to use force majeure uh in order to get out of the the, the deal we're not sure what's going to happen in june or we're right. not going to you know apply it to september um we as a firm are seeing uh covid clauses um we're we're you know we we have these zoom calls and and debate uh you know how we should deal with them whether they're you know i think we saw it in, in a pub deal uh not from a major but you know it was it, it was you know we were trying to figure out you know there's so much activity uh in uh in the in the publishing world you know it's it's kind of a a ridiculous uh you know ask um to get some relief so uh these these things are happening and uh and they'll continue to to happen just and again it, it goes down to uh you know, now everyone wants to to lean on the agreement. So you better have good representation to 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 make sure that the boilerplate. There's a reason why it's why it's in there, um, yeah. and you, you can't always predict when it's going to come up. Um, to the question about size of deals, um, the the answer is record companies are still active and and aggressive in trying to do deals. Uh, I know and uh, and have been overseeing um, deals that are extremely big and uh, and also modest. Um, it it all depends on on who's the artist and uh, what's their historical earnings. Uh, what's happening? You know, do they have leverage? I mean, yeah. I know of a, a a million dollar deal at one of the Sony labels of a TikTok artist and. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's real, uh, you know, and there, there's income that, that there's pipeline income that are, that a record company is going to be willing to put out, uh, you know, a good amount of money. Yes. The publishers and the record companies are, they're not throwing out money, Willie, throwing out money just, just because they're looking and, and trying to be smart because if it was hard to break an artist pre COVID, it's harder to break right. an artist uh, you know, during and post. So, you know, everyone has to be reasonable, but there are going to be bidding wars. There are going to be people that do it better than, than the rest, which, which, you know, to Daniel's point, you better have a smart manager. You better have a, a, a smart uh, record company. You better have a, I mean, you obviously have to have a smart agent and most importantly, you have to have a smart attorney. <laughs> Let me just ask you a question about that, Josh. With respect to the fact that the touring piece is shut down, you know, indefinitely, does that change the deal if and when the label was trying to incorporate touring, but noting that they're not going to have touring for X amount of months um, in the overall way that the deal is negotiated now? So, you know, I, I'm actually dealing with that exact issue with, <laughs> with a, a new artist in the team. And you know, one of the arguments that 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 we can try and make is, you know, you guys don't even deserve a piece of the 360. Nothing's happening for the for the next year. Um, you know, and you know, it depends on the team. It depends on how healthy the business is, right? If you can if you can make money 
releasing your own content. You don't need a record company to keep you alive. You may not need to do that deal if it's not exactly right for you. But there's a lot of artists out there that, you know, they don't, they don't have another source of income and they're going to do a deal. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a, there's a frenzy in this kind of short term that says, all right, let's acquire as much content as I can. Let me sign as many acts as I can and, and I'll figure it out later because I might be able to get them cheaper. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's different for different people and, and different acts and, and different managers that, that know how to build businesses with or without, uh, you know, partners. So it's a very dynamic time. This is a question for um, Markel and Daniel. We'll start with Markel. One Republic wrote a song called Better Days in March, and it's already synced in a car commercial. Uh -huh. so Markel, are you uh, advertising artists that you work with to do things such as this? I encourage my artists to, well, first of all, I'm here to support my artist's vision. So if I think this is tying into their ultimate vision, then yes, I would support it. However, if this seems to me like an opportunistic money grab, then as part of my duty, I would strongly urge them to reconsider if this is not in line with their ultimate goals and vision. So yeah, I'm, I'm not in the no business, but I, I'm not equally trying to get people right. to do things that are not uh, in alignment with who they are. How about Daniel? Uh, definitely, definitely not. Uh, I would support their charity aspect. Marcus Mumford did something about the Grenfell Towers and about uh, War Child, uh, about children who are, you know, have horrible conditions uh, around the world that are victims of war and the COVID virus is spreading in those camps as bad as, bad as it is in nursing homes. So we support that. Uh, a member of Two Door Cinema Club is doing something for a charity. I'll, but, but I'm not going to tell someone to write a song for this period. Uh, if you want to write about your isolation, you want to write about your love, an affair you had, uh, a bro d please do it. But yeah. I, the, the, I would never do that. Never. We have a few minutes left, two minutes. And my last question is, why don't we just start with you, Daniel? Um, what album would you recommend right now? Old, new? What are you <laughs> listening to? What album is kind of getting you through? Ah. So upon the passing of John Prine and Bill Withers, they went into heavy rotation in our house. Uh, I would say those two have been, uh, you know, very, very important in our house. Um, I think the songs about the road have been important. Simon and Garfunkel has yeah. been coming up a, a lot. Uh, we keep listening to Annie tomorrow. We have a little baby. We have a baby here. We have a baby roses here. So, so Annie, uh, tomorrow comes up a lot. The sun will come out tomorrow. That probably is our theme song in our house right now. Um, I think that's that's the one. And uh, when I want to hear perfection, I, I watch old Phoenix concerts. Amazing. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, Antonina, what are you listening to? You know, in a weird way, I've been putting, and I'm. It sounds crazy, but I've been listening to a lot of classical music. There's something about it that just, there's so much space and it just sort of makes you feel like you're not judging it. You're not, right. it just sort of embodies you and it lets you feel a little bit more spiritual. Yes. And it, it connects you to a lot of sources that you wouldn't, and it sort of resets your, your brain a little bit. So I have that on a lot. 
Um, so I've been doing that mostly. Yeah, it's really soothing too. Um, yeah. Josh, how about you? What are you listening to? I have four kids, so we're definitely in that uh, <laughs> you know, TikTok. What you know, we're the, we're top fifty global on Spotify, so um, it's not as highbrow as the rest <laughs> of you. But uh, you know, it's the the Drakes and the Roddy Riches and the Marshmallows and the there's a, a record, um, Pofu, or I don't even know, po, it, it's, a, yeah. it's a massive record. Actually, my, my four-year-old is, is watching, uh, you know, Disney right now. Yeah. The, streaming, Disney uh, yeah. the streaming service is like heaven for her. Um, so Sound of Music and, and um, mu music is, is being played a lot in the house. So we're, we're, we're lucky to have it. Great. Ken, how about you? What are you listening to? Well, first of all, I've got a couple of artists who are releasing music right now, so I've obviously wanted to hear that stuff, Haley Williams, Gavin Rosdale, and Bush, right right this minute. Um, but really awesome. what gets me through it is I've gone back and listened to the re the band that got me into the music business to begin with, which is Rush, and that that's, that's what I need to listen to to try and navigate through this just for me. Cool. Markel? Well, I'm doing, I'm in confinement, confinement by myself. So the record that I always go to in, in moments like these is uh, Every Kingdom by Ben Howard. It's, um, it's a very special record to me. So, I mean, that's always been on repeat for me. I think we're out of time, Ari. Well, before we move on, what, what record are you listening to, Melina? Oh, yeah. me? Oh, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of James Taylor. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Bruce Springsteen, um, Born to Run. I've been listening to a lot of Rufus Wainwright, um, Want One. And I've also been listening to a lot of Simon and Garfunkel, too. I love it. One artist coming out with a cool song is Chelsea Effect. For me, it, it goes back to my comfort music, which for me is 90s hip hop. And so I've been going back and listening to a lot of 90s hip hop, which picking up what Daniel talked about, that RZA vs. Premier instagram battle which had a million viewers or people tune in i thought was amazing and i'm hoping they get premier and dre to maybe do something like that because uh, we haven't heard from dre yet and i think uh, he needs to make his appearance in the streaming thing anyhow this is an amazing discussion thank you everybody thank you for melina for for moderating a great panel uh once again creative community for peace we are a nonprofit organization Please, we, we rely on donations. So if you would like to donate, please visit ccfpeace.com um, and you can donate. Anyhow, thank you guys so much and uh, we hope to see you again soon.